Welcome to Bible of a Bruise. Deep thoughts fermented over time and text. Tonight we come with Gumby. Hey, how you doing? Jerry. How's everybody doing tonight? My wife Kendra. And Dr. Heiser. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> this one I've looked forward to uh, quite a bit. I'm a huge fan of Dr. Heiser. Uh, we're going to introduce our, our brew. It's going to be Elliot Ness from Great Lakes. Gumby, thoughts? Well, Great Lakes is an awesome, uh, an awesome brewery around Cleveland. Very well known. Probably the most popular brewery here I in Cleveland. Say. It's yeah. definitely uh, got a lion's share of the market around here. But I love their Amber Lager Elliot Ness. It's really good. Very well balanced. Yeah, and they've changed some of their recipes recently. This is one of the ones yeah. they, they re- really tweaked. And perfect for the summer in this heat. We got some heat here, uh, Dr. Heiser. I don't know about where you're at. <laughs> well, it's it's a hot – it's what they call a hot day in the northwest. We hit the, we hit the mid-80s. But there's, uh, there's no humidity here. So I'm from the east coast, so it just makes me laugh whenever I hear about heat here. <laughs> okay. So uh, where did you live when you were younger? I'm originally from Lebanon, Pennsylvania, which is the county north of Lancaster. Lots of people have heard of Lancaster because of, you know, Harrison Ford, Witness, you know, the movie and the Amish and all that. Um, about 15 minutes east of Hershey. Okay. Or maybe, maybe 20 minutes east of Hershey. With good traffic anyway. So that's, that's where I grew up. So I'm sure your town smelled great. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't close enough to get it, but but you know when you got nearer, yeah, you could smell it all the time. <laughs> That's it was, awesome. Uh, it, it was an interesting novelty, and they had the Hershey Kisses on the uh, the street lights, right? <laughs> kind of like Roswell has the alien heads. You know, we had Hershey Kisses. So. Yeah, I was in Hershey in 1971 in, in the fall, September, go. October. Beautiful little town. Beautiful little. Again, it's how many years ago? But again, I really enjoyed it. Passing through on the way back from the Poconos, actually, and uh, we stopped yeah, for the well, night. It was like a step back in time. It was great. Yeah, it's it's unfortunately not quite the same. You know, yeah. the, the chocolate factory is no more, which uh, was, I mean, that's just unimaginable. But yes, you know, my my uh, father-in-law worked there, and for yeah. Reese's, Reese's has a plant uh, or had a plant near the uh, near the big chocolate factory, but. Yeah, it's just, it's hard to believe, actually. From what I've read, Mr. Hershey really treated his people good. He was a, a, somewhat of a philanthropist back, yeah. back in the day. Oh, yeah, had a big big boys boys school there, mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff in town. You know, right. he, he was quite the philanthropist. This is a bit surreal. I got to be honest. I've only listened to you, Dr. Heiser, online. I've seen many of your videos podcasts so it's kind of surreal that you're actually engaging with us <laughs> and that's not the beer talk well, people, some some people say it's surreal when i'm doing lectures so i just <laughs> i'll take it <laughs> and well you have your uh your conference coming up right or is that now wait hold oh on. yeah yeah august 18th and i don't know if you guys are aware but we uh, yeah we sold out so now we're getting the the obligatory emails of oh I didn't think you would sell out I can come with my lawn chair can I no actually not (laughs) (laughs) yeah awesome it's it's three hundred seats in the room and that's why we gave you that number right 
Yeah, I, I couldn't swing this year. I have, too, I have too many things happening. I really wanted to go, but um, between my 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 Muay Thai camps and stuff, I just and opening the new gym, I just couldn't do it. <laughs> you know, Trey has come up. I don't, you know, Trey handles all the technical stuff. So he uh, sent me a note a couple of days ago, and I posted it that they're going to live stream it. So I don't know. I know, I know that can be expensive, but and again, I I trust him with that stuff. So. Oh, that's huge. They are going to live stream the event, but I don't I don't necessarily know what that means. I mean, other than, you know, the the, the purchase price. And anybody who's in our like Naked Bible face group or or in my newsletter, they're going to get 25% off. So, it, you know, I, it's a good deal if you can't go, but logistically I don't really know what that means other than it exists now. Yeah. I I've I've uh, had one or two live streaming conferences. They're they're normally pretty cool. And they just set the cameras in the back, um, but you get the whole conference, which is awesome. So, well, Trey bought a Mevo. I think that's what it's called. It's this camera where that you don't have to have more than one camera to get different camera angles. Oh, and uh-huh. if you have it connected to an iPad, you can like move where this what this what the camera picks up like slides of presenters and then the presenters. So I think he wants to play with that. <laughs> uh, so yeah. We do like to play with our worse. toys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Any chance to, to play with new technology? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, that's where he's at. So me, not so much. <laughs> oh, he does good work by the way. I don't know if anyone's ever told him that. Uh, I'm sure people have, but I've, just listening to the quality of the podcast, uh, it's very good, very well balanced, and yeah. no complaint from me. Well, no, when I hear that, I pass it on, and people do tell him he appreciates it. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah no it's doubt. it's pretty seamless. <laughs> I I know the work that goes into it. So, yeah, <laughs> right. Gumby here is our uh, is our audio technician. So he's the one on this podcast that engineers all the the quality sounds. Right. <laughs> he's the one that that's in pain after every episode <laughs> right you know about that huh <laughs> yeah he, oh, I, I i know a little bit about it yeah <laughs> yeah he does the audio and then i do all the posting and hosting and all that good stuff <laughs> so uh, it's yeah. a good it's a good team he's our research guy for sure definitely <laughs> so i first came i first came to know you because uh i i had my my journey you know, starting from uh, like Doc, uh, uh, Chuck Missler and stuff, um, mm-hmm. and his stuff, I found fairly interesting. Um, there, there wasn't, I felt enough peer review behind it, but it was, it was interesting content. But then researching those subject matters is what brought me to then uh, your websites. So yeah. Well, so, so what I'm hearing is, you know, it's very common, you know, that, that, uh, Missler's material, you know, played a role. I mean, it played a role in your, in your spiritual life and your development and, you know, his, his work has played that role in a lot of lives. So we should be grateful for it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It was, it was, it was really interesting. And then since that time, I've just been diving into your extensive research, um, you know, I loved being part of the bibliography project and and all of that. It's been fantastic. Uh, oh yeah, you, you have you have the candy store then, so that's good. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> I love the candy store. 
<laughs> I dip in there frequently. <laughs> uh, well, that's I'm glad to hear it. I mean, that's that's what it's for, you know, for people that you know were able to support. I never thought it would it would get done, you know, and to have everything tagged even. That's just crazy. But yeah, there it is. So I'm thrilled when people use it. It's it's amazing. It helps us in our podcast because I I pull from the content so that it gives us additional information and yeah, it's I love it. It's it's definitely a a gateway to an extensive library. Yep, yep, <laughs> that's good. So, um, I in fact uh, I think it was last last Christmas I actually bought uh, Supernatural and gave it out to each one of my near relatives. <laughs> And that pretty much ended those relationships. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> how many did you get back, Eric? <laughs> right. And hopefully they weren't defaced. Right. It's, a good way to, it's, a, it's a good way to get rid of enemies, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, he gained me through it, so I could speak to that. I mean, I, I come from a very uh, evangelical dispensationalist background. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just got to the point where that just wasn't cutting it anymore. I was done with it on my journey. And then, you know, Aaron and I and a few other guys started our own uh, Berean society. And uh, he's like, well, that'll get you into trouble. Yeah. (laughs) And he's like, I got a guy you got to listen to. He's like, don't give up yet. I remember Aaron said, just (laughs) listen to this guy. It, oh, and it man. was it was great. It was refreshing, and more than anything, it was you know your viewpoints uh, early on was just a great balancer for me. So I do appreciate that, and I have to thank Aaron for uh, for introducing. <laughs> well, my yeah, my first context, you know, as a believer, I became a believer in, in high school. You know, I had no sort of spiritual upbringing at all. It was just you know it was kind of nothing world. But, um, yeah, my first context was a, a fundamental Baptist church. They were very dispensational. And I, I still have I still have really solid, you know, friendships in there. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it might sound odd, but um, I still have good friendships with people who will not have me speak in their church. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. You know, it it. Uh, and, I mean, they understand that I'm I'm OK with that, you know, and because I, I I'm very honest with them. It's like, I know, you know, you've committed to a subculture, you know, with, within the, the believing Christian world. And, and that's fine. You know, as long as you're honest about what it is. And if you feel like your people have to have that and can't handle that, it, it's not going to hurt the way I think about you, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I mean it, you know, and so yeah. they can, they can sort of live in that and, and be thankful for it and not feel threatened. But some people just can't, you know, they, mm-hmm. they, they, they can't sort of even deal with that. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm fortunate to still have, you know, good, good friends in there. And I, and I don't, I don't go out of my way to be antagonistic toward any of their distinctives. I, when I say my superpower is apathy, when it comes to end times, I'm actually serious. I just, I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we're all going to get to be right and we're all going to get to be wrong about something, you know, and, and that, that's pretty much the, the, the minefield right there when it comes to eschatology. So it doesn't bother me. Yeah. Your, your series on eschatology, I have given out countless times now, the one on YouTube. Uh, there's a few people who put them all together. So it's a nice five hour long lecture <laughs> and it's, uh, for for me, it blew me away. I actually spent just two days, went through the, all 
five hours and uh, just kept going from there because I love the way it opened up um, the different thought processes and how you have to build it yourself in order to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Just all I, all I care about is I'll, I'll give you the, I'll give you the list of things that you need to think about and now go have a good time with that. (laughs) You know, even in my own church, you know, here, my own church context here, we did a, this is probably where you got, where whoever got some of that material that we, because they video stuff, you know, and, and they don't exclude me from that, which it may or may not be a mistake. But um, we did some end time stuff there, but but there were, you know, people within our own congregation that were a little frustrated that I didn't tell them what to believe. Uh. <laughs> it's like, get, get used to disappointment, you know, <laughs> just yeah. I'm right. not going to do that. People get upset if you're not dogmatic. And I like the way you put that. You put it out there and then you want people just to think about it. Chew the cud, as it were. Yeah. Right. And, and like I said, that just it causes so much division when people get dogmatic. I mean, in the end, it's going to be sorted out. And like you said, sir, some get to be, get to be wrong and right. But the right one is going to make us all right <laughs> eventually. Yeah, and we won't and we won't care at the end of the day. <laughs> right, there you nobody's go. Gonna there keep, you go. Nobody's going to whip out the scorecard, you know, and say, "Ah, see, there you go." <laughs> no, but that's great because you make the journey their own. You know what I mean? It has to be our own spiritual growth, and we got to be responsible for it. You know, you're just giving us tools. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's 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 awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's great when people like that, and it's it's you know, I mean, I don't get so frustrated now because I'm kind of used to it, but. I, I wish people would see the value in it rather than, you know, asking me to tell them what, how they should think about this or that. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's where some people are at. A lot of people are at. Yeah. I'm going to make a plug for you real quick because I found out a lot of people don't know this. Um, your, uh, your pack on Logos Bible software, they have the, the Dr. Heiser uh, package. Um, Do they... they- do they, do they really? I need to go look that up. Yeah, they <laughs> <laughs> <I> do. <laughs> no, they were talking about that, but I, nobody ever like told me they actually did it. I have it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's actually shipping. To... <laughs> yeah, I have it. It's, oh boy. Well, because I because I had the logos package, I got the virtual one without you yeah. know, in the software, and uh, it's great because it includes Unseen Realm and Supernatural, and it includes both of them in audiobook, uh, plus the study manual. All right, I'm looking it up right now. I just, <laughs> but what what's it called? Uh, I'll have to go back and look again. I think here, it's... here I am asking you what my package is called. <laughs> so this, this is a good indication of how much attention I pay to stuff going on at work. You know? <laughs> I, uh, I I love it because it has all the all the search tools in there. Um, it's the the electronic versions are great, but in logos, yeah. it's it's better. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's people, you know, just to, just right before we, we finally connected here tonight, I was sitting here looking at email and there's a place in, um, Utah that I'm going to go speak at in September. And one of the suggestions, the, the pastor, this is a Calvary chapel church. It's, it's pretty good size. Um, I met the guy last October, but he suggested doing something in biblical languages. So I, I, I emailed him back and I said, now, do you mean like a tutorial or a show and tell, you know, that kind of thing? I, I hope he does because 
one of my sort of fantasies is to to be invited to one of these, you know, for lack of a better way to call it, one of these Missler conferences or prophecy conferences, yes. and just basically basically show people what they're not using and should be. So I, I'm just having goosebumps, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor, if I may, is that going to be the first Calvary Chapel you've ever spoken at? No, I've been in two of them. Okay. Um, there was one one in Florida. All right. And where was the other one? Yeah, but I can't remember there. But there's there's been two of them. Mm-hmm. For those of you keeping score at home, I've been in two uh, Calvary Chapel churches. I've been in two Anglican churches. Believe it or not. Mm. Oh, awesome! That's I've, been, I've been in. Uh, and most of the other ones are sort of. There's a couple non-denominational churches, and then the re- the the bulk of the of my speaking event I've, I've gone I've done like 25 of these in the last 2 years but most of them are actually events organized by a single person or or like two or three people in a church and they convince the church to let us use their space but but actual church invites are are, are the minority situation so the the yeah. leaders now the anglicans and the calvary chapel people are tied they're neck and neck it's so when I go in September, that'll put the Calvary Chapel, you know, crowd in, in, in you know, they'll, they'll be ahead by one. No. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm not surprised with Calvary Chapel. And my, my heart always perks up when someone says Calvary Chapel, because I was in Worldwide Church of God, Herbert W. Armstrong, for 23 years. And I, when I was led out, I was led to Calvary Chapel. And that's where mm-hmm. I heard of people like Chuck Missler and what have you. And it really opened up a, a veranda for me I had never seen in my walk before. So I am highly appreciative of Calvary Chapel, their perspective. Just read the Bible word per word, take seven years, and like, like the Apostle Paul said, I've given you the total counsel. Uh, you go from there. <laughs> See, that, I'll tell you, that's what amazes me about, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just, I, I, maybe I was just spoiled, you know, in my, my original Christian context. But when I meet a Calvary Chapel pastor somewhere, you know, who follows my work or, or whatever. And I, I've probably met, you know, six or seven of them now. I always ask them the same question, like, like what makes what you do different? And, and the answer is always this verse by verse exposition thing. And for a while I thought that was, that was kind of like a, an answer that they've just sort of taught themselves to say, like, it can't be that, like that simple because I grew up on that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I'm thinking, no, wait a minute. What what I'm hearing now is that this is a novel approach. Yes, yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> and I, and I just can't believe that. But but it has to be true because I keep hearing it from Calvary Chapel, mm-hmm. and I'm like, what is going on in in churches that that the idea of going verse by verse through Scripture is like anathema you know, almost. Yeah. Well, yeah. Either on the negative side, an anathema, and on the positive side, like. Holy cow! You know, look at what we've discovered. We're going through the Bible verse by verse. You know, I, I can't really imagine doing anything else. Right. But, right. But that's because of the way I was raised as a new believer. And but there it is. So I, you know, it's one of those things. I guess I've been dragged kicking and screaming you know, to, to actually having to embrace that that this is real. This is this is most Christians don't get this. Yeah. Mm. No, I agree. And it's it's disturbing. Yeah. I, it is. I found that package for you. It's the Unseen Realm package, or bundle. Unseen Realm bundle. 
Right. And it includes, I dare you not to bore me with the Bible, Supernatural Study Guide, Supernatural, what the Bible teaches about the unseen realm, Supernatural, what the Bible teaches about the unseen realm, audio, uh, the Bible unfiltered, uh, the unseen realm, questions and answers, the, ans- the unseen realm, recovering the supernatural worldview, and the audio of that as well. It's a good bundle. <laughs> we can get you a good deal, Dr. Oh. Heiser, if you want it. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Th- thanks for letting me know. <laughs> oh boy, I'm the last. I, I, I'm glad my wife isn't listening because she gets mad at me for you need to pay more attention to what's going on at work. And it's like, well, it's it's really not that interesting. If if it, I mean, I like I was there when it happened, so I really don't need to keep up with it, you know. But uh, uh, this would be another occasion for her to sort of mock me. <laughs> Well, the um, I'd like to dive into a slightly different direction because you have your newer books like uh, Hormone mm-hmm. and Reversing Hormone. I think is is a good book because it's it takes you into uh, kind of the behind the scenes supernatural rendition of what's happening. Yeah, it's it was a good place to drill down. It uh, Tom Horn and I are friends, which kind of shocks some people. Yes. But, uh, you know, <laughs> Tom, Tom and I have known each other for years and we get along really well. I, I, he was one of the first people I gave my Christian Middle Earth metaphor to and he loved it. He, he got it instantly. Mm. He's like, yeah, he goes, I, I'm partly responsible for creating that. <laughs> uh, and he, uh, he understands why I, I sort of think about it the way I do. And to his credit, I would say he's not. He, he's not necessarily that thrilled with what it's become and, and his own you know, role in it. So he, he, we always have this, we have this running sort of, not argument, but kind of like a, a tit for tat conversation every time we were together. And, and he's like, you know, you need to be doing more for Christian Middle Earth. You know, you need to be writing this and writing that <laughs> and doing this, doing that. And, and I, you know, what he, what he really wants is, is for me to, moved to Crane, Missouri. That's what he really wants. And I, and I say, look, you know, if I do too much of that, Gandalf dies, you know, because, because I have to operate in all three realms. And he goes, ah, I know, I know, I know. But I, I was able with Hermon reversing Hermon. I, I was able to give him a book and, I, you know, I had promised to write something, you know, for him and his audience for, for quite a while. And I thought, well, this is kind of a sweet spot, you know, that, it's Enoch stuff. You know, it's, it's going to be oriented to Jesus and, and it'll take us into the end times stuff a little bit. And, and I can, you know, challenge people to, to think rather than tell them what to believe there. And, and he, he's perfectly fine with that. I mean, t- Tom will not actually publicly tell anybody what his own views are because he, uh, he, he would offend some of his best friends, you know, in Christian middle earth. Oops. So he gets my, <laughs> my resistance to telling people how to think there, but it just seemed like a really good fit, you know? And when I, when I started thinking about it, it it really shocked me that nobody in the academic community had sort of put in, you know, between two covers, all of the, the, the stuff about where Enoch, you know, first Enoch bleeds into the new Testament. I, I couldn't believe it when I actually went to look at it. So I thought, okay, you know, it's, it, this is a contribution. I can hand it to Tom and, 
you know, Tom will be, will be grateful. I think he'll have an audience that'll, that'll appreciate it. And that's how it was born. Yeah. I thought it was great. And it's, it's fun to hand to people who, um, who think that the very linearly about the, the Bible and realize there's so much more behind it. Um, especially when you look at the worldview, that's, that's one of the biggest yeah. ones. Well, I, I, you know, we had a company picnic yesterday and sure enough at the company picnic, somebody asked me for my assessment of, of the book of Enoch. So that tells you what our company picnics are like. <laughs> <laughs> and it, you know, it, it, I mean, I joke with people, but I, I'm serious. It's like, well, you know, here's how I assess it. New Testament writers read books, you know, didn't do, you know, there, there it is. You know, but we, it's a simple thing, but it's, it's like the most obvious thing in the world when you think about it. I mean, the, these guys were not illiterate peasants just running around, you know, un, in, incapable of producing the things that we have in the New Testament. You know, they, they, they read material, they interacted with, you know, the, the matrix of ideas that were, you know, was common in their day. They knew their Old Testament really well, and it should be no surprise that they would use existing material to make a point. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it, and it, and it's the, the that's the easy part of the book, or at least to me, it is. But you know, people just don't seem to quite, you know, it, it really extends from the flawed way we're taught about inspiration that it's some sort of mental download. Or, or to, or to be really, to be a little bit nasty about it. We, we, the way we teach people about how we got the Bible is akin to channeling. Okay. You know, yeah. Like um, the, like the, uh, the Arantia book. You know, like, like it has no human author. It was just, you know, there it is. It, you know, <laughs> some somebody's arm was moving somewhere and somehow, but you know, the, the they didn't have any role in actually producing this. It, and it's, it's deeply flawed, but because we're, we're kind of taught that without using those words, um, the idea that New Testament writers like actually went out and read things and those things influenced them to, to word something the way they did or quote it is foreign yeah. when it ought to be like the most easy thing in the world to grasp. Agreed. But, you know, it, it's just amazing how, um, how simple things escape and how they matter in the way you process something. Doctor, I appreciate what you're saying there as far as how well-read some of the authors were. Uh, the Apostle Paul comes to mind. Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I heard a series, a two-part series back in the early 90s, and obviously he was greatly immersed and understood the Hebraic law, what have you. Uh, but I'm also under the understanding that he even went to the University of Alexandria and studied there, so not only under Gamaleo, but also different disciplines, and hence even his verbiage. Say, I want to. Be, I'm, I can be all things to all people. I may win some mm-hmm. for Christ. That backdrop. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if. I don't know if Paul. I mean, that, to my knowledge, there's no. There's no uh, external you mm-hmm. know, evidence that Paul went specifically to Alexandria. Although it wouldn't surprise me, but he certainly read. Uh, I, I think you could really fairly say he he was deeply knowledgeable about what would have been the curriculum anyway. Right. Um, cause he, he does quote from a wide range of, of, uh, sources, you know, it, Paul is a good example, um, of really the, um, you know, being unafraid to, to interact with the ideas, you know, around him. 
and then uh, parse them accordingly. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he, he wasn't the only one. You know, it's, right. they're they're very uh, New Testament writers are. You know, if you, it's one of those things like if you read through Hermon, if you kind of know what to look for, it's like, oh, look at that phrase. Oh, look at that, you know, allusion. I mean, it, it, it just sort of jumps out at you if you have prior exposure to, to the content, you know, something like, you know, Enoch. And that, that's always what I tell people to do. Look, you don't have to view this as inspired or anything like that. I mean, we don't look at the Baal cycle as inspired because Psalm 74 quotes from it. So... You know, but a lot of people aren't even aware of that, so the illustration's kind of lost. <laughs> but you know, we, we, it, that question really, at the end of the day, doesn't matter. It, what matters is if you read this stuff, you just become a better reader of the stuff in your New Testament. Exactly. You you just pick up on it. Mm-hmm. So I just try to encourage people to read books that biblical writers read. I mean, what what's the harm? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, and Paul's speech on in the Areopagus is uh, is a is a great illustration of that, where he's actually using their own poets and their own their own playwrights to get the the idea across. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you guys ever heard that interview I did with the on that pagan podcast, the oh. the voice of Olympus. No, Nuh-uh. yeah, I, I did. I, I've actually done two. The audio is terrible. You know, he doesn't have a very good setup, but it's a. I got this email. This I think the first one's got it. It's got to be more than two years ago now. But uh, I got this email from this guy. He lives in PA, actually. Who he goes by the name Hercules Invictus, <laughs> and his podcast <laughs> is the Voice of Olympus. He, and he worships the, the Greco-Roman gods. You know, and he was very upfront about that. You know, and, okay. and he said, I mean, I was so intrigued. He said, I just read Supernatural. And I just loved it. He said, I. I got to have you on my podcast because there just aren't many people that I can talk to about this stuff. <laughs> and so wow. I thought, okay, you know, why not? You know, we'll do that. But like the in the first episode, he spends about, oh, it's got to be 15 to 20 minutes going through like pagan texts that sketch out the Deuteronomy 32 worldview. Oh, wow. You know, and I was aware of a few of them from Plato and whatnot about the gods assigning, you know, other gods to, to you know, nations and countries and all this stuff. I mean, it's the same thing. And and he knew this really well. And, and mm. that's what caught his eye. Like, like wow, you know, because he had gone to like – he had the typical terrible Catholic school experience. And then he just threw everything Christian out and then he became a pagan. Mm. And and this really caught his eye. And so he went through all this stuff and, and then he, he his first question to me, you know, his first substantive question was, well, if the God of the Bible, you know, who the Bible has as most high, you know, sets this whole thing up, if he's the one responsible in biblical thought for this whole arrangement, what does he want? And I thought, well, I, I didn't think I actually said, oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> because, that, I mean, I, I felt, I didn't, I didn't tell him this during the episode, but, but that's the first time I thought to myself, this must have been what every day was like for Paul. Yes. He, wow. he goes into a town, you know, he does his thing at the synagogue, <laughs> they kick him out, and then he's off to pagan land, you know, and, and, and he just, he has these conversations all the time. Yeah. And, and the pagans know what he's talking about when he talks about, 
you know, Jesus, who's the Messiah, not just for the Jew, but for you Gentiles too, and the seed of Abraham. And now God wants you back in the family. And I mean, they, they just get it. They, they understood the, the context, the intellectual context for the whole thing. And it, it, you know, Paul very obviously understood that. And he, he didn't just understand it, you know, from, from the Hebrew Bible, but he could, he could go to, you know, like in Acts 17 and he could quote, he actually does when he makes the point about, Hey, this arrangement about dividing up, you know, humanity that has something to do with coming back to Jesus. You know, like, like he knows when he says that to that bunch, he knows that they're going to pick up on it. Right. It's not going to be news to them. The idea that the world is this way because of, of the gods, you know, and, and all he's saying is, well, it's it's this invisible one that you're trying to honor here that is the one who's really in charge, here. <laughs> you know. And I I got news for you, you know. And then he, he he tells them about Jesus, you know. Paul Paul knew this, he knew this stuff pretty well. Yeah, I agree. His his stuff is pretty phenomenal. For my wife, <laughs> because she's she's gotten into kind of uh, I'm, I'm going to go in a different totally different direction. You're gonna you're gonna quote your wife, and she's sitting right there. That's, yeah, well, no. that's that's my new illustration for bravery. <laughs> for 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 her, because she's kind of gotten to conspiracy theory lately. So, let's dive a little bit into the facade. Okay. Because that's got to be got to be careful here, but I'll 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 try. <laughs> Because that the it's it's a great story. It's 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 a fascinating story, and you actually bring in uh, so many true elements. And it's uh, what what inspired you to proceed in that direction. Well, I I wanted to. I'd always wanted to try fiction, and I had just finished my my preliminary exams, which in in, in grad school speak are your doctoral exams. They you know, they're just, it's a dog and pony show. It, it, well, it, it's a ritual humiliation is actually what it is. <clears throat> but uh, I had just finished these exams, which are just mind-bendingly awful. In theory, you know, they can ask you anything you've ever had in any class at any point. You know, I actually ma- mailed Harvard just to get a copy of their exams to see what, what kind of pain they put their students through. And they give people six months to a year to prepare. We had six weeks, wow. you know, and, 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 and I had the, the, the people in the department who had, who had reached the dissertation phase just said, look, everybody flunks these. Don't worry about it. They'll just make you retake them. You know, they, they just want to beat you down. It's just, just what, what it is, you know? So I had just gone through that whole procedure and a lot of guys, you know, and, and, you know, we, we had girls in the department too. I say guys generically, that's my Pennsylvania Dutch thing, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, a lot of, a lot of the, the grad students would literally just fritter away a year, the first year of their dissertation, cause they were just burned out. We had guys, I'm going to remodel my house. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to do my antique car, this fantasy. I, you know, they, they would just check out. Mm. And so I thought, you know, I was working full-time security, third shift. I, I always had three or four jobs going through grad school. Um, you know, I, just loved, I worked about 50, 50 to 60 hours, and most of it was you know, security or janitorial stuff where I could do, do what I needed to do the rest of the time was mine. You know, that was the game plan. So I thought, man, I got a lot of time. 
you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write a novel. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do something fun, okay? And so I wanted to write a story like stories I like to read, things that were right there on the edge of of, you know, science fact, you know, faction mm. and, and everything, it, it was intentional. Everything I, I wanted in the book, I wanted to be real, but was the fiction was how the dots were connected. And of course, you know, the, the personalities, you know, in the, uh, in the book, uh, a, cu- a couple of them, I, I modeled after people in real life, you know, that just sort of a not like, like father Benedict is my nod to Malachi Martin. Okay. Um, you know, that, that kind of thing. But, other than that, I wanted everything to be real. And then I get to connect the dots. I get to play God, you know, and it was, it was, it was just a lot of fun. I mean, I, six months, that's, that's all I did. I went to work at night and I just wrote my novel and I outlined the whole thing. And it was just a, a wonderful, you know, fun exercise. And then I just, I handed it to some friends, ah, well, you know, what do you think? And, and one guy was, uh, was a pastor I, and I, in Wisconsin, he listened to Coast to Coast AM a lot, and I did too at night. Thinking third shift, that's what you're going to do as a grad <laughs> student. You listen to Art Bell, and he said, uh, he said, you know what would be really fun if, is if you could get on the Art Bell show, you know, and talk about this book, you know, because he it had theology in it, you know, nice way to piggyback theology, you know, onto fiction, and we kind of laughed at it. And I said, okay, you know, you want to play publicist, go ahead and try, you know, try to get me on this show. It'll be fun. And and we're both thinking this is going to take like six months to penetrate the phalanx of people around Art Bell. You know, like we just had this conception that he's just impossible to get to. So he emailed him on a Sunday. And the next day when I came back from school, my wife met me at the door and said, you're not going to believe who I just got off the phone with. And I said, who? Art Bell. I said, oh, come on. Yeah. You know, it's he wants you to call him back. So I called him back and like, yeah, I know the voice. Sure enough, that's him, you know. And it was just the weirdest thing. You know, I didn't have anything to sell. It was one day. All I have is a manuscript. You know, so like he, he books, and I think Coast still does this. They book about two weeks out. So I had two weeks to actually put this thing together, you know, like in book form, you know, which is why it went through a lot of early iterations, you know, to, to format it properly and whatnot. But it was just the craziest thing. But a lot of people really liked the story, you yeah. know, and I liked the story. I thought it was fun to read. I think it's great. Uh, I can't wait for part three. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I have, like I said, I have to be a little bit, a little careful you know, right, with right. it, but uh, Part two, I mean, it took me a long time because I, I had to return to real life and actually write my dissertation and graduate. <laughs> and then I, you know, I finally did that here, and, and, but I didn't have these long stretches of time. So the, the, the problem was, you know, can I actually pull this off again? Because I have to produce this like an hour at a time. Right. You know, am I going to really be capable of that? And there were some nights when I, like, like I said, I don't, I don't have an office here. But I have a little desk in our laundry room. That, that's where I work. And my wife would come in, and there I am just staring at the screen, and there's not a word on it. <laughs> and she'd come back 45 minutes later, and I'm still there, not a word on it. And then it's like, oh, I'm done for the night. That was a good hour. <laughs> you know, because what I do is I play the whole, I play a scene through my head like it's a movie. Yeah. And I'll do that. 
half a dozen times. It's like, okay, I've seen the movie now. So I know tomorrow when I, when I sit down here, I'm just going to crank it out. I know who's in the room. I know who's not in the room. I know who's talking to whom. I know what they're doing, you know, because I, I have to see it. It sounds kind of weird, but I have to see it. So an hour of me staring at a screen was actually a really good hour. <laughs> and, and I was able to just sort of do it that way. Um, you know, after I had all the research done. So, but it's fun. If, if you're, if your wife is thinking about diving into fiction, I, I recommend it just because it's fun. You, know, you, you know, you get to play God. What, what could be more fun? <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to connect some dots for her because she's been looking at different conspiracy theories and stuff and trying to figure out what's fact from fiction. Right. So I've been trying to get her to, you know, move over and actually read the facade. Well, you know. I will- I will tell you, I, I can, I don't think I've ever said this on a, on a, an interview before. Um, I'll, I'll be a little careful here. Um, have you read the portent? I have. The sequel to the facade. Okay. There's, there's the scene in the portent where, where Brian and the Colonel have dinner at, at George's, which, which, you know, Trey and, and I and Fern and Audrey, we had to go visit the, the restaurant last, last November, which was fun. You know, Fern, Fern said, she said, I have to go to the bathroom now. If I don't come out, <laughs> to come, come and get me. Um, but there's that scene there where, where the Colonel in, in all his arrogance lays out for him, for Brian. And he wants Brian to know because, he wants, he wants it to hurt. He wants him to know what's going on and he can do nothing about it. So he lays all this out. And in a nutshell, it's, we're going to give all these, you know, prophecy seekers exactly what they're expecting. Hmm. We're just going to lay it right out on the table. And it's not going to be anything that they think it is, but it's going to look exactly what they think like it is. And, and that approach is, is something that, that grew in, in my mind from a conversation I had with the guy who wrote the UFO briefing for President Clinton. Oh. Um, he, was, he was with the Rockefeller Foundation, and the Rockefeller Foundation was tasked to produce this document. Um, it was, it was when Podesta, you know, was, was there. And this guy is a, is a Christian. Um, he would refer to himself as a lapsed Presbyterian, uh, today, but I think he's, he's a believer. Um, and he said he, he was tasked with producing this document and he had a lot of spiritual content in it. And, and the next person up wanted to censor that. And so instead what he did was he took the original document and literally slid it under the president's door and then resigned because he knew he would get fired <laughs> for, for preempting the person above him. And, and I met this guy at a UFO conference. UFO conferences are really interesting um, because you have, your, you have your kind of whacked out new age, you know, I'm going to sell my – my, you know, property and take my clothes off and go up on a hill and wait for the, the space brothers, you know, kind of people, <laughs> but they're the minority, you know, they, but you have your spooks, you know, your intelligence people, 
they show up there. You got your retired military. They show up there. You got your science, your nuts and bolts people. They show up there. And so I'm at this this conference, and and this guy walks up to me and says, "Hi, my name, you know, so and so, and you're new here this year. You know, I, I want to know who you are because I I come to these things because I've been doing this since the '50s. You're new, so I need to know who you are." And and we get you know we just got into a conversation, and he said, "If you're." In, in his view was, if you really want to know what this is all about, read Arthur C. Clarke's Childhood's End. Hmm. If you've never read that, you could either read it, but now the, the, sci, the Sci-Fi Channel uh, a year or so ago made it into a movie, which is actually pretty good. Oh, wow. I can't tell you much about it because it's it's got this, about halfway through, it's got this amazing plot twist. That, that this guy wanted me to, you know, to notice, to take note of. And, and I, I can say this much. It's really about, it's about disguising something that is and making it look like something that it isn't, mm. you know, in, in, a, in a spiritual sense. So if you want to call that a, a conspiracy that actually is operative within the, the real world of ufology, you can. It is. Hmm. Uh, it's just a, it's a minority view, obviously, because there aren't too many people with, with the kind of exposure that this guy has had uh, in in the uh, in the field. But he had he had uh, we talked about the facade. He has read the facade. Um, he it it resonated with him because he was already on the side of the human experimentation explanation. For, for the bodies. And, and he was oh, real wow. sensitive to it because there's somebody in his family that, that he believes that, that is the kind of person that they would have used. Okay. Um, I'll just leave it there. So he, he said, I don't have a doubt in my head that, that they would do this kind of thing. Wow. Um, so it, you know, UFO stuff, I mean, it was, and I, I've since, you know, gone when I'm on the East coast, if I'm in the area, I'll, I'll I'll go and meet meet with this guy just to chit chat and have lunch and stuff. He's out of the government now, um, but it's a it's kind of a dark world, you know. That there are the, a lot of competing agendas, and a lot of it really is about um, the right hand not doing what the, you're not knowing what the left is doing. Yeah, it's it's a lot it's a lot of misdirection. And, and spiritual messaging and, and, and things like that. So I, I wanted to try to convey a little bit of that in the facade using, you know, the the villain. Now, in the third one, you know, I, I again, I, I have to be careful with, you know, that we're, there's going to be new characters. There's going to be obviously, you know, some, some repeat characters too. But I want to try to follow the thread of, okay, how – would you begin to 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 alert the people that you ultimately want to marginalize and target how do you how do you start to alert them with by means of certain things so that they will read the events as though they're looking at prophecy Mm, you know, that they cool. will make the it will make the mental connections that you want them to make. It, it's all about moving herds, you know. And and and, and the colonel even says this in, in the book. You know, it, it essentially it's, we we don't need to work hard. We just need to work smart. Right. 
you know, there don't need to be multitudes of us. What we need to, to do is move herds. And the way you do that is, is you control the vocabulary of the discussion. You control, you know, the, the way people think about certain terms and certain ideas. And then you get them from that point to the next point, And then from that point to the next point over. And you get four or five iterations of that. And you've moved the herd. Yeah. And, and now they are in the position you want them to be. You know, it's it's not they don't have to land on the White House lawn and all that kind of stuff. It's about <laughs> thinking. Mm. It, it's about changing the way people perceive important things like the nature of God, you know, human destiny, you know, who, who is Jesus? You know, what, what's all this stuff about? You know, if you change the way people think about those things, but they you have them use the same language, they're going to think that they haven't moved at all. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. So that's the goal. See, hmm. I get to play the evil mastermind as the uh, <laughs> as the author, which you know. I mean, I'll admit it's 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 fun to do, but but there's I have a I have a point to make in doing it. Mm. Oh yeah. If I can play if I can play you well enough that you read the book and and it just kind of gives you the creeps a little bit, that's just me. I'm I'm not a cosmic intelligence, okay? Just think of what they could do to you, you know. <laughs> right, right. You know, it's that kind of thing. I find it fascinating. They're they're written very well. If if you get a chance to come through Ohio, I'll try to get you into MUFON Ohio, which is one of the actually I think it's the oldest UFO research group in the United States. Really? Yeah. Are, are are you are you a member? Like do you go to meetings or do you just know people in there or what? I, one of my neighbors is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure I can get you in. Well, I, I've I've spoken at a couple uh, regional MUFON meetings, so um, you could you could suggest that. I, I mean, I, I'd be interested in doing it. I just because it's it's become a little bit more unusual because I'm I'm now the ancient aliens debunking guy, and, and a lot of these <laughs> a lot of these groups dare I say a lot of these groups are like churches. They only want to hear what affirms what they already believe. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, absolutely. And you have to, you have to convince them that, you know, it, it's it's okay to have this discussion. I'm not there to threaten you, and I'm not going to like <laughs> burst forth into a, you know, some some sort of preaching rant or something like that. You know, but uh, if you're interested in in hearing why I don't find ancient aliens persuasive. <laughs> um, <laughs> It, it might be worth your time, you know. I've been to the L.A. MUFON. I did that one, and I've been to a Houston MUFON. But um, L.A. was a little bit more hostile. Um, they, I, I actually almost broke the L.A. and the Orange County MUFON relationship. <laughs> um, I, I, I got internal memos that I should not have received, and, and there were people threatening to resign if I came and people threatening to resign if I didn't. Wow. Oh, wow. You know, so <laughs> – it was kind of weird, but the, the Houston one I got in because uh, Daryl, Daryl Sims, you know, is a, is an important figure in that group. And he and I are, are friends. Daryl's a Christian. Okay. He's, he's, he was, his dad was a Baptist pastor. He has, it's an interesting story, but so I've been at two of them. We just talked you know, about on our, on our last podcast with uh, Brian Godwa, how, how you uh, debunked ancient aliens. Yeah. It's, you know what? It's, in many respects, it's not it's not a very hard target because they 
Yeah. I mean, some of the stuff they do is so lame that it, it they make your job easy. But the, the the issue is is the conspiratorial mindset that they play on. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know that 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 you you could you can debunk something in five minutes, but then the the person who wants to believe it will think like you're part of some <laughs> grander conspiracy. You know. Right. That so it, it it almost doesn't matter. Right. You know what you say. Yep. I mean, I'm a right now. I'm a I'm a government disinformation agent. <laughs> I'm a jet. I'm a Jesuit. And what's the third thing I am? I'm a government <laughs> Jesuit. Um, probably not human. I know they're one of the secret society, but I'm not an Illuminatist yet. And that's what I'm working toward. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I keep saying like on shows, like, what do you have to do to, to like get in the Illuminati? You know, like, <laughs> Like, I, I'm sure there's some like benefit to this, you know. Like next is you know, kiss the ring. Better than even frequent flyer miles, you know. You, 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 <laughs> there's got to be some like some perk to this that I don't know about. But it, it's oh, I'm a Gnostic. That, that's right, I'm a Gnostic. Yeah, okay. That's the other one. Right. Last last I heard, you can get some really good music videos off of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it. it my, my, my kids love this kind of stuff, you know, <laughs> dad, did you see this video about you? You know, it's like, yeah, don't tell mom because she'll want to know where the checks are. You know, it just, <laughs> she'll want to know what I'm doing with all the money that the, you know, the secret society is sending me. Wait a minute. There, there are actually videos about that. Oh yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but, no, my, my kids like to find out what I, what their dad is now being accused of, you know, so, it, but it, it's a good, I'm actually glad they exist because it's a good lesson for my kids. It's like, look, look at, look at how dumb this is. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and now look at the number of views, mm, right. you know, you, th- this, this is all you should ever need to, to convince you to not get your truth <laughs> from YouTube. <laughs> you know, this, this is like exhibit a now, oh, wow. um, but yeah, they're out there. It's almost as bad as flat Earth, right? <laughs> no, that's that's that. See, my when I do my live stream with my son Calvin, he always has to throw a flat Earth thing in there because he knows it just irritates the heck out of me. <laughs> but but he'll like he'll take the flat Earth side just to like you know, just to have something to spout off on. You know, on, on our, on our it's, it's so irritating. But uh, yeah, no that that's that's soul crushing right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you teach that, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's correct. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, since 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 people use you know my work on Israelite cosmology to argue this point, it's one of the few times where I I felt that I had to put something on my site to shoot at you know this neighborhood in Middle Earth, and that's you guys are aware that I, I posted that on my on my blog. You know, I don't know, it's, it's probably a year ago now, but. Yeah, I'm sad to say it, it's overwhelmingly the most commented thing that I've ever done, <laughs> far and away. Wow! And it was something like like modern Christians who modern Christians who believe in the flat Earth. Does it get any dumber than this? Yeah, it's a great know, post. It, it has an inflammatory title, but I, I more or less had to do that just to to make the point because I I know it's going to come up now in, in searches. Mm. So I wanted to be clear that no, no, Mike doesn't really buy into this, you know. It's just somebody's not being honest here. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it was in, it was only actually I think it was last year, right before you wrote the article, that a certain unnamed person was using you to promote that idea. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I I didn't I didn't name anybody in the piece. I don't think. Um, yeah, you know, I'm sure I didn't name anybody. You know, be, you really yeah. don't have to. People people yeah. who follow yeah. this stuff know who it is. You know, so yep. it, it, there's no there's no real point to doing that. Mm. But to to me that that is something that will literally keep people out of the kingdom of God. Mm. Because people will look at that and say, well, if this is what it means to be a Christian and, and to, to believe the Bible, goodbye. Right. It, I, I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, and what, what kills me is, is all the science talk that goes on about it. You know, people start debating points of science. Look, I can cut through this thing in under a minute. It, it, it's so easy because it, for you to believe this idea, you must believe by definition that all of the photographs we have from space that show a round globular earth are faked. <laughs> so show me if you want to if you want me to come to your side, show me the empirical data that proves that all of these photos are fakes. Don't give me your science argument about the curvature of the earth and boats and light waves. And I don't care about any of it because at the end of the day, you must believe this. Blindly. There isn't a flat earth out there in existence alive today that accepts those, those pictures. You must believe this. So show me. Yeah. Show me. Yeah. I, you know, and if I were debating a flat earther, it, it would be really boring. <laughs> because I'd say, well, you know, we're in the second segment now, and I just still don't have any proof for you about the photos. So show me. I cede the rest of my time to you. I'll give you extra time you know, to, to prove this. And then when it's my turn again, it's like, well, we still don't have it. So you can have the rest of my time. I'm still waiting. Because <laughs> this is the thing that you must believe. And it should be falsifiable or, or there should be empirical data for it. You know, so let, let's have it. You know, and you're right. It's such a diversion against things that are wholesome, aside from you know Christianity or anything. Something that's productive in society. It it, it just it's you know one of those things that just distracts, yeah. and you can get lost down a rabbit hole unnecessarily. I remember watching one Larry King uh, episode with uh, he was interviewing Norm Macdonald. I believe it was. Mm -hmm. I didn't know Norm Macdonald was actually a Christian. And uh, that just kind of irked Larry King. <laughs> <laughs> and Larry King asked him, he was like, so do you believe, and I'm paraphrasing here, but you can look up the, the clip because it's, it's out there. He goes, do you believe Jesus? Uh, he said, so do you think Jesus thought the earth was flat? And Norm, Norm <laughs> was, I remember the, the look on Norm's face was like, what's that got to do with anything? <laughs> Yeah, you know it's it's such. How do you even begin to argue something like that? Right. You know, or when it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like George Stephanopoulos. Whenever I hear that name, I always think of Snuffleupagus. <laughs> it's kind of like George Stephanopoulos asking yeah. Mitt Romney if he thought that states had the right to ban birth control. It's like nobody's even. Thinking about that, exactly. I don't know if you remember that when, when Romney was running for president, but he turned an, an idiotic question 
yeah. into like the campaign issue that torpedoed Romney. Yeah. It's just it's a point of absurdity. Exactly. And Larry King's point was is it, it, it was just I think he felt like it was going to make Christianity look bad. Yeah. So I that's at least what I got from it. Like, man, you're just trying to throw Christianity lumped in there yeah. with that mm-hmm. and drag us under a bus for no reason. It makes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now you're now you're going to have tens of thousands of people out there in Middle Earth that say, you bet he did. You bet Jesus believed the earth is flat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, thanks. Thanks for that. Right. You know. <laughs> the Great Commission moves ahead. <laughs> so the um, so on your uh, on your upcoming trails, I see that you're launching the videos for French Pop. Yeah, I think there's boy, there, I, there's probably about a dozen it's probably 10 or 12 that have that have uploaded so yeah that's underway we we have enough in the queue i think we've got we've probably got 30 to 40 segments uh in the queue you know to go wow so you know we're, we're the goal is to put up one you know one a week and the next time i'll go out to film uh for that will be in uh september okay so yeah yeah, we, we try to film 10 segments and, um, you know, each time we go, but it, uh, I'm only, I, I've been making four trips a year. That's what I did the last, you know, really well, year and a half to almost two years to try to build up the queue. But we're, we're going to change that to three because I, I'm almost through the low hanging fruit now that I have to, I have to budget myself to do, I can't spend more than four or five hours on an episode. Because I, I just I don't have the time to get ten ready by the you know by filming time you know like ten and a quarter, so we'll probably do three filming sessions in 2019. That gives me a little more time in between, so I could because I'm going to have to start devoting a little bit more more research time to some of the topics. Hmm. But we do what we have done. I had one person ask me. They said, "Will Doctor Heiser cover elongated skulls?" <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we'll cover that. <laughs> uh, we're we're waiting we're waiting to build up our it's been a couple of weeks since I looked at how many subscribers we have and we have a few thousand subscribers we're going to have a name the alien contest <laughs> and 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 nice. we're also going to have have a name the name the skull contest so when we get to to that point you know we'll we'll do one of those the skull by the way is female so I, I'm debating do I mention that or do I just sort of just you know take male names as well but you know we'll we'll figure it out. I kind of like to put, you know, unveil that it's a female and put one of those pink bows like that people put on their babies, you know, put it, put it on a skull. Or she, she'll come out, we'll, we'll reveal her gender identity or something like that. Something <laughs> stupid. But yeah. They're great. I, I've, I've watched, uh, I think, all the ones that have been released so far. I love them. They're great. Well, we hope they're useful. Yeah. I've already, I've already, been, already been posting them. <laughs> So I, I have a question that I don't think anybody has asked you before. Okay. What is your favorite iteration of Star Trek? Oh, well, that, that is a good question. You know, I... Because I know you're a fan. <laughs> you're, you're, you're talking about you're talking about just the series now. You're not talking about the movies, correct? Uh, the series, yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I'd probably have to go with um, Picard of the Next Generation. Um I just like the characters there. I, yeah, I, I'd probably have to. I mean, it, it, for me, it has some memorable lines, even though it's kind of cheating. You know, one of them is from one of the movies, but 
you know, when Picard has to try to deliberately offend Worf, and Worf says, "If you were any other man, I would kill you where you stand." <laughs> yes, <laughs> <a> great line. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I believe you. You know, <laughs> but I, I I like the characters. It, you know, so it it veered off a little bit in in some regards. You know, when it, when they started adding, you know, a, a few of the minor ones. But I, I think it's pretty solid. Yeah, I like I liked Voyager too. You know, I. I it, it didn't, you know, Kate Mulgrew, I thought, did a really good job. I mean, I, I it's hard not to like any of them, really. It, but I, I, I think I'd land there. I agree. That was always my favorite as well. <laughs> I like the movies as well. I, I liked uh, the I liked the original when it came, you know, when they the first time they, they brought it back into the theaters, you know, with the, the, the V'ger episode. I, I liked that. And I liked the Wrath of Khan search for Spock was okay. Yeah. And then it started getting a little weird, <laughs> you know, it, it just kind of lost my interest. But then when they did the, the, the latest, you know, iteration, you know, the latest movies, um, the first one, I, I more or less forced myself to, to watch because I have this thing about, it's almost like the Kate Mulgrew thing with time travel. You know, like I swore at the Academy, I would never get involved in one of these time travel scenarios. It's like <laughs> I swore to myself I would never watch another time travel movie. And, and, and you know, there you go. But they actually did it well. You know, it, it, it sort of it, it wasn't goofy. Yeah. And, and that kind of drew me in. So I I thought they, they did a, a really a good job with the first one. And then, you know, since then, um you know, the, the one with Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, the, which I didn't, I, I tried not to read stuff. So I didn't see the con thing coming, but I thought that was really good, especially the way they inverted the death of Spock and the death of Kirk, you know, at, at the end, that, that was good stuff. So I, I, I like those. Yeah. I thought they were very well done. And it's, uh, you can't beat when you get two Spocks in the same episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, somehow they they did that without being just kind of stupid with it, which which was a kind of an achievement. Yeah, hats off to J.J. Abrams. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Okay, I have, I have a question then. Okay. It, what what? Where does the name the nickname Gumby come from? Hey. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I actually, well, my nickname comes from when I was a child. I would be in and out of the hospital because I get hurt a lot. And so I would always bounce back like Gumby. So it just stuck with me. Okay. It was a nickname stuck with me throughout the years. But my real Did name you? is Gamaliel, like okay. like Paul's teacher Gamaliel. from the Sanhedrin, spelled yeah. the same way. Well, just, you know, I'd, I'd kind of go with Gamaliel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know it what? depends on the op- but you know, you you could ask. Did you ask when you were little for a horse to name him Pokey? Or, oh you know, yeah. yeah, and there yeah. it is, and there it is. <laughs> that in Saturday Night Live with uh, Eddie Murphy, he was a Gumby character. Oh, oh yeah, Gumby yeah. damn it! If you remember, yeah. right? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> put him on the map. Put him uh, on the map. I have heard every joke. <laughs> in you know what? In my adulthood, I've heard every Gumby joke. In my childhood, all throughout school, because I tried to use my real name, I've heard so many jokes. Oh, Gargamel, Gamaleo, Gama, I mean, you name it. Yep. I hate it when they did road call because I'm like, oh, present. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's spelled uh, like 
like Paul's teacher in the Sanhedrin, yeah. um, G-A-M-A-L-I-E-L. That's my real name. Yeah. So I, I was just wondering, I, I've not met a Gumby before. So. <laughs> <laughs> First. Yeah, it is, it is rare. <laughs> Do any questions, Gumby? Oh, geez. You, you were recently in Israel, right? Yep. Yep, uh, for well, t- ten days there, and then we we did not do the uh, Petra extension. We, my one of my wife's bucket list items was to go to Greece, so we took the two days instead of the extension. We went to Athens, mm-hmm. and there were there were two other couples that did, did it with us as well. So we were we were in Athens for two days. I've never seen as much graffiti anywhere in my life oh, really wow. it must be like the graffiti capital of the world well i actually i asked some people about it and they were like well you know because the, the country had a meltdown economically you know not too long ago mm. and they actually said the government just let people do it just kind of like vent mm. you know mm. and, and they didn't do it on on you know like you know stuff that would be associated with you know, ancient Greek religion or anything like that, but it, it's all on modern buildings and it's just everywhere. The, the, the joke became, if we see a building that doesn't have graffiti, we're going to take a picture of it. You know, that'll be our tourist thing from <laughs> Athens, but wow. Yeah. Wow. I That's... guess so my question for you, uh, Dr. Heiser would be in, in regards to Israel. I mean, I know there's so much political upheaval happening these days with it. Uh, but in terms of, uh, the recent move of the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem being official now, is there any mm-hmm. impact or significance or connection you see related to prophecy or to the church or, or or just any change in your viewpoint on how that could look? Yeah, I don't, I don't see any. I would be hard-pressed to point to an Old Testament passage that talks about an embassy move or, <laughs> mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, you know, I, to, to me, it just... It was sort of, it was more of the same, but it was a, it was a significant, you know, gesture. When I say more of the same, just about expressing solidarity, you know, with, with Israel Mm -hmm. uh, on the part of the United States. So in in that respect, it's, it's nothing new, but you know, it, it, it is a gesture that really carried weight. You know, we had people come up to us there and just thank us for being there during that week. You know, Mm -hmm. we were there the, the week of the embassy move. Wow. And, uh, you know, we, we actually got, we actually walked into the street party, um, associated with that. We were walking back from, from Yad Vashem and they had some streets blocked off. So we couldn't take the, uh, like the, I don't know what you call it, the train or whatever it was, um, back to the hotel. So we had to walk, you know, it was, it was a couple miles, you know, but we actually walked into that. And so I, I, I told my wife, I said, well, I now know what a rave is like, <laughs> you know, because it was like tens of thousands of people. And I'll bet seven out of 10 were teenagers. Wow. Um, just just dancing around and just having a great time. And, you know, e- even the people who were there to, you know, as security, you know, it's just they were into it. I mean, it's not like they were, were being lackadaisical about it, but... You know, you, you see the security everywhere. I took pictures of girls that were my daughter's age carrying automatic weapons, you know, just so that my girls could see that. Oof. You know, it's like, it's just, this is the way it is. You know, this is what you do. You get out of high school, you know, you, you go into the service and you wind up doing street party duty, you know. There, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> wow. you know, you, it's compulsory, you know? right? Yeah. 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 
but it, it's just it's very it's very normal. I mean, we, we went right. into disputed areas a couple times and they, and they just tell you like it was really about the women, you know, just don't have any of your leg exposed, you know, wear something to the ankle, um, shoulders covered, you know, that kind of thing. It, it, it the stuff you see on TV is really, you know, the Gaza strip, you know, we didn't run into any of that at all. Um, but there were Trump signs everywhere. You know, people <laughs> were really appreciative. Our, our our bus driver wore a MAGA hat, you know, it, it, they, they were just, they were just thrilled that somebody actually did that after mm. decades of voting for it and never doing it. You know, this lip service kind of thing. It, it actually meant a lot to a number of people there. Um, just something as simple as moving the embassy doesn't, mm. doesn't have a lot of practical change to it, but you know, they, they were, you know, we, we just had people randomly walk up to us and tell us they were glad we came during that week, especially. Yeah, if, if you can if you can go, you, you should you should go at least once. You know, it, the only thing we couldn't do this year, I, I was there 32 years ago. So, you know, a lot has changed. Um, and I think it, it might I don't know if it was if it's a standard now or if it was just because of the week we were there. But you could not go up to the uh, to the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Oh, you know, the Dome of they, they, they didn't take anybody up there, but you could go to the wailing wall, which is right below it. You know, it just, there's a walkway that you, you go from the wailing wall up, up to the next level where the, the mosque is, but nobody was doing that. So I, that was the only thing that if you had been there before, you might notice as far as access, you know, kinds of things. But, you know, other than that, it was, it was very normal. Hmm. So, so was it weird standing in front of the gates of hell? <laughs> Well, it was. Well, I have my own little little story about that. It would take probably too long to give it some context, but okay. uh, it it was. I'll tell you what. You know, I, I had never been there. You know, in, in person before. But as soon as you sort of pull up to the cliff there, it's like, where's the ambiguity in this passage? Because <laughs> it's huge. I mean, the cliff face is huge, and if you're if you're anywhere near that. And, you know, upon this rock, I will build my church. And you're just like staring at this thing. It's like, oh, okay, that's kind of obvious. You know, because it, it's just, it just dominates the whole area, the landscape. You know, and, and the Grotto of Pan, and you have to go up to the to the face of the cliff, and then it's it's cut out, you know, in the, in the bottom of, of part of it. But you don't even have to go up, you know, to the grotto. It's just, it's just so huge. It's it's really the only thing to look at there, you know. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I I know you have to go. I uh I don't want to rush you out, but you've been very kind in the, in giving us the the extra time to speak with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, ho- hopefully it'll it'll you know somewhat entertain someone somewhere but but chances are some some line of it will get pirated in in somebody's next video of you know me being something you know <laughs> if if you're going to do that if you're listening if you're going to pirate this video please put me in the illuminati <laughs> I, I, I i'll get the t-shirt i'll wear the t-shirt okay just put me in there and then, then we can be done with that yeah same here if, if it makes us a little bit more money i'm there with you <laughs> you take center stage with jay-z yeah, there you go. 
we'll, well, put a put a necklace around my pug or something like that, <laughs> you know, my spirit animal or something. Well, Doctor Heiser, we certainly appreciate you again. This, uh, you know, at least with Aaron and some of our other guys, this was something we had talked about years ago. Like, man, wouldn't it be cool if we could get Doctor Heiser to just do something with us one time? And this is something that we have talked about for a long time. So, again, thank you very much for uh, for your contribution and for being a part. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been well. Thank you guys too. It was it was fun. I enjoyed it. <laughs> it was a, a pleasure having you on. Um, look forward for, to it for a, a long time, and maybe maybe somewhere over the next three years, you know, when you can have your next scheduled time right. frame off, we can get you back in again. Well, it's it, it's not that bad, but uh, 2019 right now is is pretty wide open. So I'll I'll say that. Awesome. <laughs> cool. We'll awesome. look forward to that. And. Thank you for joining us tonight on Bible Over Brews. Don't forget to go to our new Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Bible Over Brews to get more great content like this tonight. If nothing else, it will pay for our brews. <laughs> Don't forget to see us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and anywhere else you can find social media. Have a great night. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Great. Thank you. Bye-bye.